This episode is brought to you by Southern Elegance Candle Company, where modern values meet Southern charm. Right now, check out their spring and summer collection with candle scents such as Celebration, Coastal Waters, and Farmer's Market. And our two personal favorites, Southern Sunshine, which fills the room with an amazing aroma of citrus and sugar, and Southern Nights, which is a blend of sandalwood and gooseberries. Be sure to visit secandlecode.com and use our promo code CRUX, that's C-R-U-X, for 15% off all regularly priced items. That's secandlecode.com, where they lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory to whisk you to a place of pure joy. Welcome back to another episode of the DJ Blaze Radio Show Podcast. It's your boy, Be Easy. Your boy, Kane. And we uh back on our um recap show, you know what I'm saying, where we recap different shows and all of that. And this is our uh, recap of the HBO Limited series, We Own This City. Um, But we joined today by a special guest, my main man, uh, hold on, uh, Oh yeah, that's in the that's in the uh that thing oh, threw me off just now. We we oh, joined shit. by my man Yusef Yoshi. <laughs> What's happening? From uh the relationship status podcast. What's up, Yoshi? How you doing, bro? Man, ain't nothing much, man. Trying to maintain every day, trying not to get fired. I hear that. I hear that. Uh Kane, how you doing over there, brother? Oh, shit, I'm good, brother. Good, brother. Uh j- just fresh off the banana boat. I hear that. Hey. Yeah, feeling good, feeling great, man. Word, word. In. You say you done had a couple shots in? Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm um, right with you, Kane. I'm right with you. I'm on my third glass. Oh, hey, what, what, what Kevin Hart said, it's about to go down. Shit, I'm, <laughs> I'm sober because I take this serious. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might sound a little different, y'all, because we, we using technology, you know, but we got the... Uh, we have the capabilities of doing that, so you know we all in different cities. So, but we had to get this done this week. So, um, so we here. Uh, I asked you, Yoshi, since you the guest, how did you enjoy part three of uh, We Own This City? I liked the episode. I thought it um, it kind of gave a little bit of backstory into how um, uh, Sergeant Thomas he uh he got there, uh, where he is right now. Sergeant and- Thomas. Uh, Ailers. Oh, Ailers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ailers. I'm sorry. How he got there? Um, because literally, like, I think he just screwed over his team. And we, I, I know you're going. We gonna get into it, but you know, he he there because of himself, really. Yeah, I like because they they like with a lot of the stuff that happened. They don't really like they don't, they don't go in order. They'll kind of yeah. show you a piece here, piece there, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, because they they never showed him getting arrested in the first two episodes. Um, but we'll get in that them, you know, how this episode starts off, whatever. 
What about you, Kane? How you enjoyed this episode? Oh, man, I, I definitely enjoyed it, man. And the reason why is because at, at this point, now you're starting to see with, uh, what's his name, Wayne Jenkins, mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, when he first kind of went on to the plain clothes squad, they say it, and, you know, his his comrades was talking about how he still ain't had no money in his pocket. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, or he went to go check on his homeboy, and his homeboy was saying, yeah, you can be making the big bucks now. And I think that kind of when everything clicked to him, it's like, hold on. I ain't doing something right, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I think it, I like how it kind of creating this timeline to show how a person can come out of the academy, just like a person in boot camp in the military can come out of the academy, you know, uh, Joe Blow squared away and, you know, buy the book because you don't learn so this uh, way of doing your job one way and now you realize, you know what I'm saying, you kind of drift off and, you know, go dibbling, dabbling to some other things. So I'm interested to see where they're going with it. Yeah, I, I, I purposely, well, I kind of read, um, like, what happened to Wayne, like, how much time he got and all that. Um, but I'm not going to, like, look at anything else as far as, like, what happened to all of the officers' cases and all of that. Because it mm-hmm. is, you know what I'm saying, based on the true stories. And you can kind of look and get spoiled and see what happens um, to everybody. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I like the dialogue and all that. You know, we're going to say it a hundred times. It reminds you of The Wire. Um, yeah. Basically because of the dialogue and because of some of the characters um, that's on here. But we'll mention them. I guess we'll jump right into it. Uh, and like you said, it starts with uh, Tom Ehlers. Um, you know, like a, he was the supervisor from episode two. He had on the track suit, if you remember that. Um, and it's him. He's in handcuffs. He's getting walked into the interrogation room. Um, and he meets up with his lawyer. Um, and the lawyer basically tell him he needs to talk. He's like, nah, I ain't gonna talk. But then we get a flashback to uh, January 2016, um, and it's them walking Herschel into the office with his superiors, and um, he basically thinks he's getting into trouble because of the rap song that that they played last episode. Um, mm-hmm. But it's he's getting walked in there because of his complaints that he's gotten. Um, basically, they're telling him he they're gonna move him from the Eastern District to the um, what's it, Gun Trace Task Force or whatever it's called. Yeah, and the gun trace task force. Yeah, and that's the um unit that Tom is a sergeant over, um, and that's where we get the intro music. But that's uh, I like how they just kind of like they. I mean, they explain everything, but they didn't explain everything. Um, but also they kind of like instead of them like disciplining him for all of his trouble, they basically just gave him a um promotion. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They just gave him a promotion. Yeah, he was like, Tom was like, Ehlers, he was like, welcome to the squad, dog. And they're happy and clapping and all of that. And and this happened again later on in the episode, kind of, uh, with somebody else. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, the uh, you know, we get back into the episode and um, it's back with present time, I guess. And this was uh, Ehlers and his lawyer. And the lawyer basically lays out all of his charges, you know what I'm saying? He had, like, racketeering charges. Um, and then he mentions um, some $10,000 robbery. And then we flash back to, like, basically the beginning of the robbery. Um, and it's them. They uh, in the car. It's, uh, it's Ehlers. Um, G-Money. G-Money, Gondo. Mm-hmm. Um, Rayum. Yeah, Rayum. Jamel Rayum. And, um... And in the front seat with uh, Ehlers is uh, Herschel. Herschel. 
And um, they basically uh, pull over a guy they knew. He was like a known drug dealer or whatever. They pull him over, and they're searching his car. And they search his car. They can't find nothing. Um, and he's basically, and um, Ailers is basically sitting there telling him, like, yo, just go ahead and give it up. You give it up, you know what I'm saying? We'll, I'll help you out, whatever, whatever. Um, but they don't find nothing in his car. So they decide to go to this house, um, and they start searching this house. In the house, they find two guns, and Ehlers, he finds in one of the shoe boxes in the closet, he finds $10,000 cash. Mm-hmm. But norm, but the normal thing is they find some bread. They split it up between the crew. But he decides to tell them that, nah, he ain't found nothing, and he put the, put them, all of the 10 bands in his uh in his, um, in his uh the vest, the bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vest, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's a scene later on when they like in the drive-thru and he was like, one of the, um, I think it's Rayum, Rayum, what is his name, Rayum. He yeah, asked Rayum. him, he was like, uh, yeah, so how much money you want to write up for the um seizure or whatever on the paperwork? And he was like, he ain't, he ain't even saying that. He just made his order in the drive-thru or whatever. He, he was talking that. slow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of give a little backstory of what that um, lawyer was talking about, which it, to 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 um, Ailers, it kind of probably seemed in, insignificant at that moment because it was just ten thousand um, dollars, no no harm, no foul, drug dealer money. Um, and I'm not sure that black dude came from which one? The the one that's asking how much to put down. Ain't he played on something else recently? He 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 was on the wire before, and he was on um, Power, like the s- second season of Power. Maybe the, the first season. The the original power. Yeah. Yeah, the original power. He was on first season. First season of power, yeah. Okay. I thought I thought it looked familiar. Yeah, matter of fact, Ghost had killed him. Um, he went to his that house. Was, um, his name was uh oh my god, what was his name? Jeez. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot his name. Because he was only on like one episode or two episodes or something. That, like that. that was that was like the guy that Ghost had um he kinda mentored him. Yeah. And, Ghost and Ghost thought that he was the one setting them up for the robberies or whatever. Oh, that was uh not Blocker. Um, he he was part of the Haitian crew out in like Jersey or something. Nah, 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 nah. That was um that was Mar- Marlo Marlo's uh character Mar- Marlo's actor played the, the Haitian dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, but go ahead, I I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got you. Now. I got you. Now. Yeah. So the the guy that they um that they basically robbed because he didn't have nothing. But they just knew he was, you know, knew he was a drug dealer. So they basically shook him down. His name was Devon Robinson. His yeah, name. Come on, Devon. Mm-hmm. I know you. Got well, 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 he did have two pistols. Yeah, but they they didn't find that in the car. They basically they initially got him on the track, tried to get him on the traffic stop. So yeah. they he did have the two pistols, but it really was a, a, a you know, what I'm saying a dirty um stop. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you knew that when the man was yelling, uh, man, you man's going to police chase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he ain't even, he was right down the street. Like he ain't even he ain't even got nowhere. Yeah. Um his name was Roller. That's what his name was in Roller. Power. Yeah, Roller. Roller. Yeah. He googled it, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I did. I damn sure did. <laughs> <laughs> um so then we get a scene of the um I get I guess they were well, they FBI investigators, Jensen and um and they're talking about the wiretap on Gondo. Um, and basically they're just saying that they wonder how far up it goes. It's just a short scene, like how far up the chain of command it goes. Um, then we get with Miss Steele. She's um, the uh, civil rights person. And she meets with uh, Commissioner Davis. 
and he's basically asking her if you know any of his people are being cooperative um, with her in her investigation. Um, she says it depends on you know who she's talking to. Um, and David says, basically, he's trying to explain you know how things going with how things go with officers and them doing their jobs. Basically, like you know, some officers are gonna get complaints. That's just a part of the job. But um, he says if Herschel gets another uh, sustained case, then he gonna fire him just like he did uh, Lorando, and that was a name that was mentioned in the other episode. Um, David says he he when he can't basically when he got the job, it was a shit job. Like the 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 uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The predecessor, uh, huh? The predecessor, the person before him? No, not the predecessor, but basically just the the state of the job itself was shit. Like, oh yeah, it, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Basically, the way they did things was bad. Um, but he wanted to turn the department around, even with everything that's in front of him. Like, um, he basically said that, even like with his predecessor, or whatever. Like, they only expect to have the job maybe like a year, commissioner, and then get um and get fired out. and be out or whatever. Then he said on top of that, he got a new mayor. He's going to have a new mayor because the mayor that hired him quit. So then the rank and file really don't fuck with him like that, you know, if he try to make a change. So he was like, he basically got an uphill battle, but he's still going to try to do his job the best, his ability, whatever. And he if the six months left. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we go back to Tom uh, Ehlers in, in there with his lawyer. And uh, he basically tells him that he kept all the money. Um. And his lawyers are telling him that his co-defendants are talking because that's that's how the feds know about that ten thousand dollars because it's people talking. Um, so then we go to Wayne Jenkins, and Jenkins he's in a he, he's doing a search warrant and they bagging up some stuff and um he tried to go to his wife and the sergeant that he's with make, basically don't let him go and he's trying to cut out of work. Um, we get that little scene. It was a small scene. I don't know really. I don't know if that scene is significant or not. I don't know what they was trying to. I didn't know they was trying to prove that either. Yeah, like, I, was to I that think out. I yeah. think I think that scene they was trying to prove. You talking about the part where he was talking to his uh his his boss or when he yeah. was at the, at the evidence room? No, well that whole scene like he was. He, well, I tell the scene to the you know to the listeners. So it was a scene where they did a bust. You know they had some evidence, and um, Jenkins gets a call from his wife about a contract and some stuff they were doing at the house, and so he was like he needed to go help his wife. But the sergeant wouldn't let him go. He was like, nah, we need to bag this evidence up. So then they go to the um, evidence room, and it's a line. And, um, you know, every, uh, Jenkins and one of the uh, uniform officers was kind of going back and forth. And then Jenkins' sergeant lets him cut the line to put his evidence in. Um, but I don't really know what they were trying to – like I said, I don't know what so, they were trying to prove in that part. So, in that part. so, so coming from somebody that, that served in the military – so the first scene at the bus is pretty much just showing how um how you pull rank. You know what I'm saying? So like even though he felt it it was important to get home because something was going at home with his wife, his sergeant would still pull rank and be like, nah, fuck that. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Which was, happens in the military a lot, you know what I'm saying? Nah, get your ass back over here. Yeah, he said fuck up, fuck your um wife feelings or something like that. Yeah, fuck yeah, fuck her feelings, which yeah. happens a lot in the military, it's called pulling rank. Like you leave when I say you can leave. You don't just leave because you know that's just when you're in a uniform service that you gotta follow chain of command. So that's really just him just pulling rank. Like you, you, you would think you about to leave and 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 leave me to do all this shit when I really rank 
above you. You supposed to be doing this shit. So if I'm gonna be doing it, you gonna sit your ass in doing it. So then the next scene at the um evidence room, that's more so how a uniform, I say officer, looks out for his uh his um the ones beneath him. Well, a, a a superior officer. A superior officer, you know, is rather is I don't want to call him inferior, but like because you know the navy call the officer and enlisted, you know, enlisted personnel. Yeah. Um, you know, what I'm saying you, you do good work. You know, what I'm saying I look out for you, but you know, what I'm saying you still gotta you know obey the chain of command. Which chain of command was we got work to do. The quicker we finish this work, the quicker you get home. And at that time, I guess with the scenario that playing out with this whole series is that those gun trace officers is making more more arrests, more busts. They're taking guns off the street, so you know they they kind of got you know more clout right now than these uniform officers that's probably doing you know traffic tickets and mm-hmm. doing what what Wayne was doing. When it was episode one, when yeah. he was with uh, his training officer, mm-hmm. so you know, what I'm saying that that's all that was was just some pulling a rank. And again, when his sergeant came in that room in the evidence room, he outranked all those uh, uniform officers as well. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he because and because he told him come to the front of the line, ain't nobody saying shit. Yeah, they can't. You know what I'm saying that, that's that's the thing about that uniform service, dog. You could be the biggest, baddest motherfucker, but I done seen. Uh, E7s, E8s, E9s, that's like 5'5", five, five, walk up to a 6'6", six, six motherfucker, and tell him to shut the fuck up and kiss my ass, and and, and the 6'6", the six, six dude can't say nothing. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, he got he got lip trembling, eyes watering, fist ball up, but it ain't nothing you could do. Unless you want to go to jail or lose your damn job. Exactly. Yeah. So we get, um, so we go to Suter, and, uh, you know, Suter, he was uh, Marlo for y'all, you know what I'm saying, trying to get all these names together. And in the last episode, you know, he caught that murder case, which was kind of like a whodunit. It was a, a regular working guy that got shot in the street. So he's still trying to solve that crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the information, the guy that worked, it was a, a Jaquan Dixon. So he goes to the precinct to look for Jaquan Dixon. Um, and then he runs into a guy working there named Billy. Um, and Billy said that he used to be on the flex squad, but he said he got out of it because um, – he didn't like it because they were jump, basically jumping out on old folks and young kids and said everybody was making money, but they really weren't making no difference. Um, and I think it was a point to them playing that scene because he had basically said other parts of the department that he went to, but he was like, he was cool there. He just trying to make it to his 30 years and then he was going to retire. Um, so we uh, go outside and we meet Officer Dixon and Officer Dixon is played by another Wire alum, uh, Daquan Dukey. Duke. Um, and so he tries to get info from uh, Officer Dixon about the murder. Um, and Dixon says that he submitted some casings from another shooting that was in the area that was like right around the corner. And then he also mentioned to him that he talked to uh, this lady that was a grandma that lived near the shooting. Um and then he tells him about some cases that he logged in the in the evidence, because um, it was it was nobody got shot in the in the thing that he had investigated the uh, Dixon, but it it was some shooting and it was a shooting that somebody called in. He took the shell casings and normally like if it's a shooting and it ain't nobody getting killed, they really don't do that. But he went the extra mile and did his job and right. filed the shell casings and he offered to take him around to the scene to where it happened, so you know to help him investigate or whatever. Uh-huh. Um. So then we get a scene of um Miss Steele, that's the uh civil rights lady or whatever. Um, and she goes to like this panel meeting or whatever. She talks to a guy named Tariq Tariq Tariq. Um, did y'all know he was a real like that's it? He a real dude? 
No, I didn't even look. I didn't look into it. But he, the way he was acting, it seemed like he was a real dude. <laughs> like he, he wasn't a good actor. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He, he didn't really do a good job. But uh, so I figured he was kind of like he had to be something like more like, important, like a, a actual person. Yeah, playing himself. Yeah, he I is. Had, I kept like, focusing on his eye. Like I thought. I thought like he had a, like a glass eye. His eye was gonna fall out of his left eye. <laughs> well, I kept focusing <laughs> on the fact that like half his beard was like twisted in the other. Twisted half. up. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that that's what fucked me up too. That damn beard was all unkempt. Yeah, that beard had me. Fucked. Yeah, that beard. When I saw that beard, I was like, "Oh, that's a real nigga." But I did, I do. His name do sound familiar, but he is a real activist and a poet. So he basically played himself. Um, and still, she basically asked him, like, you know, what was his views on the male race and stuff like that. Then she asked him about Commissioner Davis, and um, he was like, "Yeah, he gave out his personal cell phone number. Say he got an open door policy, or whatever." He was like, "Yeah," but when I called him, he ain't never answered. But then he was like, "I called him twice." Like, nigga. How many people you think this nigga done talk to all, you know, throughout the day and shit? Like, you only gonna call him twice. Now you gonna talk shit about the man. Like, he did give you his own personal number. He actually did give you the number. So. Yeah, yeah, so. And that feeds into another conversation she actually has later. Mm. Um, Make sure you bring that up. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. He probably, he, he probably got just as many calls as Mike Jones did back in the early 2000s. <laughs> Y'all remember? The, what was the number? Eight one. Hold on. Two two eight one three three zero eight zero zero four. Yeah, they said it, that that shit made his phone bill go up crazy. Well, then anybody, I've never died it, but the people I know that died it said basically it was like this straight voicemail. Yeah, it was a couple people I saw that said like he did answer the phone. Um. But but like after it like got so big like yeah that's what I heard too that it would go straight to voicemail or whatever. Yeah, and that probably was during the time when like phones was really running off of minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think they had too many unlimited plans at that time, so that's probably why his his bill went crazy like it did. Well, (laughs) the crazy part is though, I don't think his phone was on minutes, and the only reason that I think that is because I know that he was on Sprint. I forgot how I figured out that he was on Sprint. <laughs> but he was on Sprint, and I had Sprint, and Sprint was like one of the first companies to not do the minute shit like that. Like, um, I, I think it was like one of the first ones to do like free nights and weekends and all that kind of shit, but then they got away with like the minutes or whatever. Anyway, but I don't know. But yeah, it was it was early in the time. It was like early. Was it like 03? 03 uh, or 04, something like that? Yeah. Four. Yeah, O4. Like O4? Yeah, yeah, it was running. Because I, I was in boot camp with some dudes out of Houston. And when we was in, in boot camp, they was talking about Paul Wall and the chameleon there. Because um, they, they had just kind of about to drop. And they were saying about Mike Jones, but anybody heard of him. And then, sure enough, I come out of boot camp, the end of 03 going into 04. And shit, Houston, Houston kind of had had the rap game on lock for like a about a, what, a, a year and a half. Maybe longer than that. Maybe like two two years. And you had Slim Thug. You had Camille there, Paul Wall. You had Lil Flip. You had Mike Jones. You had Lil Kiki. You know what I'm saying? Everybody feel like Bun B and Pimp C from Houston, even though they're not. Yeah, Port Arthur, yeah. Yeah, Scarface. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. So that's about 04. Yeah. 04. Um, well, close to 04. We go to uh, December 19th, 2005, and this is Wayne Jenkins. And... um. He pulls up on two guys and they sit. This is him. Did he have on a uniform? Yeah, he had on a uniform in this scene because he was riding. This was early in his career. And they pull up on two dudes. They sitting on the stoop. And they basically tell the dudes to go in. But the man like, yo, I'm at, I'm on my own crib. Like, 
I ain't got to go in the house. Yeah, so he was like, just go inside for me. He's like, all right, just, you know, when I come back. But Wayne, He did ask him nice, though. Huh? He did ask him nice. Yeah, that's cool and all, but nigga, I'm at, I'm at my <laughs> house. What the fuck you talking about? Well, well, you remember they hold the, his trainer officer told him his whole agenda was, you know what I'm saying, just to get niggas off the corner for that night. At, well, at night, so anybody on the corner. I guess he figured, you know, everybody get y'all ass inside at the X, X o'clock, you know? Yeah, we're still in my house, and this America, Jack. <laughs> nah, nah, nigga, they they own that city. Yeah, that's how they feel too. Um, so they they drive off, and Wayne look in the side view mirror. He see them still sitting there. They ain't move, so he decided to circle around, jump out, jump on my man, and uh, they was I guess they were drinking beer or whatever. And when he grabbed up my man, he dropped his beer. You hit a glass shatter. He beat my man up or whatever. Um, so the next scene, I guess, is the next day. And uh, Wayne Sargent calls him into the office. And uh, Jenkins, he's trying to explain himself. Wayne, he like, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I'm sorry, whatever. He kind of got out of hand, whatever, whatever. And they t- basically tell him that he could lose his job and uh, all this and that, whatever, whatever. But really, they fucking with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell him that he's an earner and he works his ass off. But he, they ain't even admonished him about none of the shit he did. They was like, you wrote it up wrong. Like, the, you did the paperwork wrong. And they basically was telling them how he can write up the altercation to where it look like it's bad. And then they mentioned, like, you ain't even wrote in here that he threw the bottle at you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what I'm saying, kind of giving them hints and clues on how to do that shit. I thought that shit was... I, <sighs> That's probably how that shit go, though. Yeah, like, it oh, is. But, yeah, like, that's how it go. And, and that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. Uh, I think it was either today or the other day. But in my mind, I'm like... This is the reason why we don't like police. This is the reason why we don't trust police. Like, mm-hmm. like it's like they put it in our face, but yeah, this is how we do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So black people already don't trust police, but then you put out a whole series. So like, even with The Wire, The Wire showed The Wire Taps, the investigation. Mm-hmm. Now you're really showing us on the other side, the bad cops, because there weren't too many bad cops in The Wire. But now you're showing like how paperwork get written up. And it was one scene... Um, I think it was last episode. Oh, no, no, no. It was this episode. So we, we, we t- it's a little later. We'll talk about it later. Because um, I, I don't believe we talked about that part yet where she, where she talked to the union rep. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a little later. Yeah, that's a little later. But just that conversation right there is something that he said that kind of showed you like, damn, that shit really do happen like that. Yeah, but even like if you... Well, yeah, we'll get to that union rep part um, mm-hmm. a little later. Yeah. Um. So, um, Jensen, that's one of the FBI people. I'm going to say Jensen and Jenkins. I'll try to, you know, because them names do sound kind of like. But Jensen, she's one of the FBI ladies. She gets, she's on the wiretap of Gondo. um, And she get, he's on the line with a girl. And she calls and tells Gondo about a guy that basically has a gun in his car. Um. And I couldn't get why she was telling him. I heard him say something like, yeah, we'll get him before he get to you or something. Um, I couldn't understand. Like, I was trying to figure out, like, what's the importance of her, like, really going in on, he got the gun. He got the gun in his jacket. He was over here. He showed, he always has a gun. Like, I couldn't get. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't pick up why she. Money, like, it was money, I understood. But just the gun itself, like, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I know what it is. I know what it is. It, it ain't really. Ha- 
that was like you know you know how like well you a teacher you know how like you'd be like what doesn't need to be here and them tests and shit yeah. like what's the most main important part like all that other shit was just fluff but so on the wire tap well on the on the wire call uh Jensen is listening in like you said the girl was telling him where the gun where the uh gun was it's in his jacket whatever whatever and they searching the car it's the uh GTT uh what's that for yeah, what's a, uh, yeah, GTTF. They uh searching for the gun. She's telling him it's, it's in his jacket, but they don't see a jacket in the car. So they pull him out of the car. Um, they search his pockets. One of them was it uh Raymond, Raymond or whatever his name is. Did he take the money out of his pocket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it he goes happy. he goes in his pocket and, and pockets his money. But they do find a gun. It's in the back of the uh of the little SUV, like hidden in the back. So they mm-hmm. do take it in and lock them up. Um, but as they do that, they end the um the tap call or whatever. She said, Jensen says, we're gonna wanna hear his call from when you know from lockup, his first call from lockup, we're gonna wanna hear that. Cause if something happened, we'll hear it on the call. Like he'll tell it. Mm-hmm. Um and so really I think that's what that start was about. Cause they might use that against them too, him taking that money. But with that and you know, um, they know they was on the way to buy drugs. So really, you know, when it comes to police and traffic stops, anything out of the norm is what gives you probable cause to search. Well, you know, of course, they are already doing a legal search, mm-hmm. but being at, being at the gun trace task force and they basically, you know, looking for a gun and they, you know, talking to a confidential informant, it's like they kind of going off of, well, we got this tip. That is like when they do them, they, they do them no-not warrants at the wrong house and they, they thought it was going in to, to find a fugitive but it wasn't a fugitive because they, they was working off a tip mm-hmm. same thing with that you know what I'm saying they're working off a so-called tip which is a, a confidential informant which they're probably paying an informant with money or drugs and you know it, it the whole thing was illegal the whole search was illegal but of course you know, they're gonna write it up however they're gonna write it up mm-hmm. but that's why they want to record it because that's how like you said when he was on the phone call you know with the short and he was she was like um where's my money and she's like what nothing in your wallet it's like it's in my money clip then why he got to lie about that? Well, that's a little later. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a little later. But um, another part of that, too, is um, Jensen, she calls her uh, her uh, partner. What's his name? Start with an S. Um, she calls her partner, and he goes and he basically looks, watches them do the search, and he sees him put the money in, the, in his pocket. Because he's like, yeah, he's going to he gonna, he gonna run in his pocket. He's going to. He's gonna pocket that money, or whatever. Uh, what was it Siraki? That's his name, Siraki, because he was chilling, eating, eating McDonald's, and he had to rush uh-huh. over there the way he was. Talking so, about he was at the steakhouse. Yeah, yeah. he's like he, he, he <laughs> steak pervert. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then we go back to Dixon and Suda, and Dixon he takes him to the grandmother in the area of the shooting. Um. And then he sees a woman walking by whose name is Ebony. And um, he tries to talk to her, but she don't want to talk. He does give her his car, um, but the way she was acting, he was like, "Yeah, she." He thinks he got something to hide. So um, then they go to the grandma, whose name is Miss Green, who was uh, also played it, Lieutenant or um, well, Major Daniel's wife on the wire. <laughs> um, yep. And they ask her for a little help um, with what happened across the street, and the only mm-hmm. only thing that she tells them is that. Um, the neighbor across the street, her grandson is a true devil, mm. and then she, you know, said some other history shit like we were the first black family to move here, and it used to be beautiful. 
She was like, I'm telling you for real, it used to be beautiful. Like, it looked like the hood now, but it was nice back in the day with Um, And this is the, the, the next scene is um still meeting with the union guys. Um, and they're basically in full defense mode, you know, like they're supposed to be. Um, and she asked them, one of the questions she asked them is, are the cops in a work slowdown because of the Freddie Gray indictments? Um, she mm. said, arrests are down even though violence is up. Um, and he was basically like, the union doesn't endorse any job action, um, but there are, are officers that don't want to risk an indictment for making a, um, an arrest. Um, and then she asked him, could there ever be a moment where the police officer performed their job in such a manner that he would agree with a finding that he or she should be fired for abusive behavior or brutality? She was like, could that ever happen? He was like, certainly. And uh, then she asked him, has it ever happened? And then that's when he basically says, they only there to protect the members. He's like, I'm a union rep, and I'm here to protect the members of the union, um, which is really all they do. But it was a whole lot of other, like, conversational shit that he was saying to her, basically defending the job that they do, the police do, and how they do it and shit. Some of it made a little sense, but it's common sense. But... Yeah, and, and to what I said earlier about that conversation was it was in that conversation where one of them said, um, when she asked about the Freddie Gray thing, and um, you know, he said something in the in the in relationship to when the acquittals come back. Oh, he said when the acquittals come and they will come. Mm-hmm. So that's like they telling you, like, we know we gonna get off. We yeah. know we do this and we gonna get off. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like this whole series so far, it just been a, a bunch of um, little cameo scenes where they have expressed we can do what we want to do. You could you could you could go as far as you want to go. Like even with him telling um, Jenkins how to write up the report. Mm-hmm. Um, even with his trainer officer telling him forget everything like this Baltimore. You know, what I'm saying even in episode one where you know it just every now and then it's like they remind they remind you like this is really how cops are. They really are like a brotherhood and they look out for each other. You know, what I'm saying they're gonna they're gonna always go with this with paid leave or. Uh, administrative leave or reassignment, you know what I'm saying? A lot of that shit. Oh, go ahead, Yoshi. I was just gonna say I, I agree with Kane. Like at the end of the day, it's gonna be you know one hand one hand one hand wash the other, both wash the face. So it's gonna be they're gonna look out for each other. They're gonna look out for each other's families. You know the fact that you're on administrative leave but you're still paid. You know that there's no reprimand really because if you're still collecting a check and you're sitting at home you still collecting a check mm-hmm. and you don't hurt a man till you hurt him in his pocket until that point, you don't hurt a man. Like you could take him off the street. And I know these cops want to be on the street. Most of some of them, especially them dirty ones, but even if you take them off the street, shoot, if you still giving them a check, you ain't really hurting them. A lot Lies of that, support. A lot of that shit is, um, <laughs> is what he said. Child support. Child support. I, 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 I am with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, my baby mama told me I know I know you don't care about nothing But I know if I got in them pockets you'll care I said damn it you was right mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of that shit though Like them keeping their jobs and all that shit Or they do some fucked up shit And they come back or this that and the third A lot of that shit be union shit though Like Some of it do I, But I think that some of it I, I do agree with you be Like that a good bit of it is the union But I think But that's in the states that have unions A lot mm-hmm. of states don't have unions like South Carolina doesn't have a union, and and I mean, but they states pro- don't even want you to get one because I remember when I was living in Charleston, yeah. 
Bowen was trying to uh, to get a union, and they actually had like picketers and you know what I'm saying protesters because they were trying to get a union for Bowen workers and state of South Carolina was not trying to have it, bro. Well, I mean, that that well with the Bowen situation, that's why they came here because they didn't have a union and they didn't want them to unionize. Um, but some industries had you in order to work in them industries, you have to be a part of the union. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I think police here are part of a union. Um, I know a couple other industries that even in South Carolina, like you, you gotta be in the union to have them jobs. Um, but if you ain't never worked in a union before, You'll know the benefits if you fuck up on your job. Because. Mm-hmm. They ride for you. Yeah. And a lot of the shit being like the contract too. Like, I might have fucked up, but I got this amount of time to go to investigation and arbitration and all this kind of shit. And you might have fucked up, but it might take a year for that shit to come back. So, but when y'all was, a t- when I think, Kane, when you were talking about um, some of the stuff the union guy said, one of the things he said was um, how one of the guys that arrested Freddie Gray. Like Freddie Gray had a knife. That's what he, he I think he said Freddie Gray had a knife. And they arrested him for false arrest. I don't know if that's I guess that's true. So if that's true, then you know he gonna get off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has gotten off. So I think the thing he was trying to say was like uh Marilyn Mosby or whatever, she was like overzealous and charging them officers just to make a show because all of them gonna get acquitted. And then once that come back as an acquittal, then as an acquittal for all of them, there's probably gonna be some more riots and all of that. But I don't remember a second round of like civil unrest or nothing like that when yeah, the verdicts um, came down. You, you gotta remember, even uh, buddy, the the black buddy that uh was asking, you know, how much how much money to put down. You remember when he was being interviewed on like I think episode one or two? Even he said he he got caught doing some shit. They sent him home on administrative leave with pay for what eighteen months, and then and then when they bought him back, they bought him back to the gun the the, uh, the gun trace unit, the gun trace the gun trace task force, and he said they paid me for a year and a half and then put me on the on the team with the most crookedest motherfuckers. In the, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's like you say, like they they gonna send you home, they gonna make sure you get paid, they gonna make sure you're taken care of. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just like with uh with anything, every now and then you got to make an example out of somebody. Which is what I think. Which I think is what happened with uh, Walter Scott cop down in Charleston. You know what I'm saying? What happened with uh, what's my man that guy with, with, with the knee on the neck? Um, I don't think there was no examples though. There was cold like Walter Scott shit. He was they got caught in cold blood. Like you couldn't, and they, and he got caught like planting the shit on him and shit. Like you can't you can't deny that. Man, we 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 just saw three episodes about how they docked up paper. I mean, I understand they did catch him on camera, but I'm pretty sure, like, if they want, I'm it done been scenes. Hell, and and Dollison on the um body cam when they, when, they, when they shot uh um what's my man the old head on Main Street used to run the numbers. Man, not is it man not Man Stanley? A woman on Main Street, the, the cops were. I think it was your classmate, B. Um. They had the body cam footage where, where they went in my man's house and, and, and as soon as they said uh, police, they shot him up. The old black dude on Main Street that ran the numbers. Oh, talking about right, right by the uh, right by Bay Island. Yeah. It was something weird that I think they say he had a gun. Like they saw the gun in the, in the body cam. Like ain't nobody made no fuss about that shit. Yeah, because they what, made fuss about what? <laughs> what they I'm saying, do? but like at, once you see the body, like 
once once they saw the body cam or whatever, like it was like, oh, that's why it happened. With I think they shot my man in the head too, if I'm mistaken. They shot him a couple times, but yeah. and I actually saw somebody actually said like not the the cop that shot body cam footage, but another cop footage. And I mean, from what I saw, he if he did have a gun, he ain't had time to put it. like you you kick the man doing and, and shot police, um, uh, uh, freeze police and then start shooting. Like if he did have a gun, like he ain't had time to, to use it. So like I say, he, like 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 the like um like you said, uh, what was the two you said? Walt, like Walter Scott and and um and then George Floyd and George Floyd, right? That was like right there, clear as day, like on 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 camera, whatever. But something like Mike Brown is a whole lot of he say she say do this investigation, that investigation, and ain't nothing happen. Um, that type of shit different when it ain't in you know what I'm saying right there in your face. But if it right there in your face. They they ain't really they really can't say even with the Freddie Gray shit they you know what I'm saying at first they was all mad and shit but they ain't really do nothing after after the verdict came down and shit like that not that I remember um only time they made it I, they made an example of a man up in um in Milwaukee when he uh shot that lady that startled him she walked up on him. she was like a tourist from like Australia or something like that and she walked he was like a um he was Somalian. But he was a police officer. She walked up on him, knocked on his window, and he shot her like twice, and she died. And they gave that nigga ten years. So, I think he was an example. They, and and they made an example of, of the white female cop that had shot shot the black dude in Texas. I believe that was. Yeah, they did. Oh, tell me she walked in his house. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say she, her, but. It, it, you can't argue that she walked in his house and she was off duty, but I'm they try to blame we, it on we, shit. We, we've heard Wilder. <laughs> we've heard Wilder. Yeah, that probably was like Tamir Rice. That was on camera. They ain't did shit with that. Anyway, we off on a tangent. We yeah. could talk. We we got a hundred more killings. We could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> they shot this nigga. They shot Big Joe. Um. So uh. Then we get to the call from the guy that got pulled over in the traffic stop. And uh, Jensen's looking in, listening in, and basically he's complaining about how they took his money from, well, the person that he was with, I guess, was saying that there was no money clip. Like, they didn't get, like, when they gave her back his property or whatever, they didn't give her a money clip. He's like, nah, all my money was in my clip. Like, yo, they took my money, whatever, whatever. That was the thing. But um, Jensen and... What's his name? Siraki or whatever. They knew that he took the money because they saw it. But they just needed to get it on tape of the guy complaining about it. So they have that um, on tape because she said it. She was like, we're going to want to hit our call earlier in the episode. Um, So I think they're going to use that as like another like notch against them or whatever when it comes down to when it comes down to time to like really like convict them or whatever um then we go to april 17 2007 um and it's another um scene with 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 jensen i mean jenkins and the boys and they like cooking out at some building um some other uh officers is hustled there and another guy and um they they keep reiterating the fact that um game broke <laughs> that uh 
Jenkins is broke. <laughs> <laughs> Jenkins is broke. Because, you know, they got steak and stuff out there. And he was like, yeah, y'all like to drink that high dollar shit, basically, or whatever. And they got a bottle of tequila. And he pick it up like, man, what's this fancy-ass bottle, man? What's this Pat Ron? And they laugh at him. But they clowning him. But he looking fool in the damn face. They're like, nigga, that's Patron. But he's like, nah, I know that's a joke. But he really was serious. He didn't know what Patron was. He had no clue. No damn clue. And and do you notice how, and I don't know if this is a Baltimore thing or not, but you notice how a lot of the white officers in this show, I ain't going to say they sound black, but sound kind of urbanish. I think that's just them niggas on that show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like I said, I don't know if that's how they sound in real life, but even when he walked up, he was like, he was like, uh, they was like, Jenkins, what's up? He's like, man, what it is? <laughs> no, I'm saying, I think it's just just them on the show because like the white dudes in Baltimore don't really, all of them don't really talk like that. Yeah. Some of them do, though. But like, a, but like you say, a lot of the dudes that's on, a lot of the officers that's on the show talk like that. Even uh, Ehlers, Ehlers talk like he from the hood or something. Ehlers do, and it was another white dude that talked. Oh, the dude that trained uh, Jenkins too. He yeah. talked he talk like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, they don't talk regular, which is which I hate. Well, the guy with the mustache who um who was Jenkins Sergeant who made let him skip the line, mm-hmm. he talked regular, which was which was pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate their accents about as much as I hate my man who played the Rizzo on the Wu Tang shit. Yeah, yeah. Especially um <laughs> Somebody was somebody said to me that um they didn't like how Jenkins talk or whatever like that shit irritating, and I ain't really paid it. I, I was like okay, but but like he put on too damn much, like mm-hmm. he don't talk like not the actor but like Jenkins himself, like it's it's like he putting on like he trying to be cool, yeah, like he trying to be cool with everybody. Like come on dog, and all. Man, nigga you don't talk like that for real. Yeah, I remember, I remember you know later he be like hey you know I'm gonna keep it hundred with you. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he put on he too he put on too damn much. It's like where the work's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, dog. I know, I know you got it in here. You know, you know, white folks don't say work. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you know, he done been around some dope boys, so he you know he know the lingo. Yeah. Um. Man. So Wayne in his feelings, you know what I'm saying? He go by his homeboy shit. Um, place called Double D's. He's a bail bondsman. Donnie, or is it Danny? I think it's Danny. Yeah, Danny. Danny. Um, and Danny basically tell him. That you know what I'm saying, he appreciate him writing a letter of recommendation for him because um if it weren't for him, he wouldn't have been able to get his bail bondsman license or whatever. And that was the scene one of y'all said earlier about him um uh by him um he figured he make he was like Danny said something like you you sh- you should be rolling in the door or something like that. Yep. Um yep. but he basically don't got it because Danny was sitting there counting that money because the bail bondsman be making that bread. But um, Wayne he ain't got to that point yet. So they go to the strip club, and uh, basically uh, broke ass Wayne he can't pay for two hundred. This is how you know this was a long time ago because a bottle of champagne in the club was two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that today, huh? I said it ain't that today. Nah, nah. And you gonna pay? He paid two hundred dollars, and he took it to the um uh, to the uh back to to for a private dance. But that shit capped though, because in Baltimore back then, you couldn't even touch the women, man. They wouldn't even take their tops off. I was about to say, yeah, they're they not even topless in um, that whole DMV area, I believe. Um, I'm, I went to this one. 
It used to be like right down the street from Club Love. It was a little hood spot, but that probably was just there though, in DC. But yeah, in Baltimore, man, it ain't it ain't it ain't like that. It wasn't like that anyway. Um. So yeah, that just another thing to let us know that he was broke. And that probably was his motivation for being dirty too. Cause he yeah, you see everybody else doing dirty shit. Um. So Suda he goes back to the um. I guess to the officer, to the precinct, whatever. He looks through some paperwork, and he finds a match for his shell casing, um, and it's in the ones that uh, Dixon logged in. Um, so he goes back and finds the girl Ebony that's in the neighborhood. He wait. You could tell he was like sitting there waiting on her, whatever. Um, and then he threatens her to take her in, and uh, says, "You know, what I'm saying, get your boyfriend to come down here, whatever, whatever." Um, and she basically does. She calls him for a meet. Um, and then uh, that was a little quick scene too. But mm-hmm. um, Jensen and Seraka, they tell this appears about um, the Devon Robinson raid or whatever about when they stole the money from him. So they try to find out, find him, find Devon Robinson to get him to testify against the cops. So they go to his house. Um, and, and they find something else. Hmm. So they find out something else. Yeah, they do. They don't tell it then, but they do, you know, show it later. Um, but yeah, they do find out something else. Um, and then we get a scene of Suda. He's arresting um the girl's boyfriend in the case, and he basically closed his case um for for the killing of the guy um from episode two. Um, so then we get a scene of Jenkins. Um, it goes back to August tenth, two thousand seven. Um. And Jenkins and Suda, they're at the bar. Um, and this how you know, let us know like Suda's old job, because in episode one or two, he, he was him and the other guy they were walking through the uh, parking lot and they met up with, with Gondo in the car and they kinda had a little back and forth. And you could kind of tell they had a little history or whatever, but you really didn't know. But I'm glad they kind of showed it without telling it. Um and so um Wayne Ask another guy, can he trust Suda? Um, and then he was like, "Well, I don't know. I, maybe you can or whatever." He was like, "Yeah, well, we're gonna find out." Um, so the next scene is Suda and Jenkins, and they go to this uh car wash, and they're gonna run, do a raid on this drug dealer. Um, so they go in there, you know, they do the raid, police, whatever, whatever. They put my man in handcuffs, and one of y'all, one of y'all, explain this scene for me. <laughs> what Jenkins is fucking his damn store up? Yeah, yeah. The whole like from he's yeah. just like he's he comes in and he's like, yo, I know it's here. I know something is here. Mm-hmm. He literally is like, yo, I'm gonna tear up your shop until all of it till I find it. Till you tell me wherever it is. And he's he he takes a um a crowbar, starts beating on the the painting the uh, the pictures he got on the wall. That doesn't work. The dude is like, man, F you. You go ahead with that. I ain't got nothing. Then he goes, um, then he takes the TV, smashes it on the floor, steps on it. And then that's when Suter notices that something's wrong with the table. Like something's off with the table in the other room where Suter is. And then that's when you see him kind of, uh, uh, dude who's, who shop it is. He like, you know, you can see that look on his face like, damn. They flip the they they turn the table over. That must have been a heavy ass table. 
it took two of them to turn it over. Mm-hmm. They turn the table over, and when they turn the table over, they they um they take off the bottom part of the drawer, and it's clips, guns, money, and um yeah, it was a brick in there too, and a silencer, and, and, and a brick was in there too. And he's an old man, and and he got a silencer. Mm-hmm. I like kind of see you could kind of see um Jenkins' mind starting to figure out if he could trust Suter, and he's starting to feel him out. He's mm-hmm. like, but before money. Before he do, before that though, like when Wayne was tearing up the shit, and he was ke- con- continuously tearing up my man place right. Um, Suda was like, "Hey Wayne, this ain't no regular table." The way he kept saying that shit, man, like that shit tripped me out, man. But anyway, so yeah, his 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 wheels was turning. You know what I'm saying? And dude was like, dude was like, take these handcuffs off, and you put that badge down, and I bet we won't be having the same talk. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you what he 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 say he tissue you he ain't say you tissue soft. He say you ain't um you ain't tough. Yeah, he said, Yeah, you ain't you ain't tough or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like he's like, I ain't scared of you. But if you notice, you can tell they knew each other. Yeah, because he, he called him Wayne. Yeah. He he called him oh, Wayne right. and, and Wayne was calling by his last name the whole time. He's yeah. like he's like, So you gonna tell us what no, he asked for the warrant. He showed him he's like, Yeah, you know I'm gonna keep a hand up with you down. Yeah. And he was like, Do what you gotta do, Wayne. Yeah, that yeah, was man. yeah. But I, I I thought that it was a setup by Wayne to see if he could trust Suda because he knew him, he knew money was there, and he knew something was there that he would get something and mm-hmm. see if Suda if he could really trust Suda because remember he told Buddy in like two scenes two scenes prior in the bar at yeah, the, in the bar, bar like yo I'm gonna see I'm, we gonna see can, like, can can we trust him I heard good things <laughs> well we should be about to find out mm-hmm. about to find out if we can trust him. Mm-hmm. and. and Suda, like, even when, like, Wayne is throwing the money inside his vest, like, Suda's, like, looking, like, rolling his eyes. He's kind of like, should I take part? Should I not? Like, mm-hmm. got, like, a lot of bread. And then and then Jake is steady on him. He's like, yo, it's, like, 80 grand. Yo, it's, like, like we only got a report. Like, we found 4,000. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, then, then, if, then what, they fast forward later and they're in the car. Yeah, well, this scene, this scene remind, um, it reminded me of something too. Well, a couple of these scenes remind me of something too, um, of the wire. So, on one one scene of the wire, they kind of they did a raid, and they had the money, but they didn't steal them. This time, they didn't steal the money. So, they was up on the wire on on somebody, right? And on the wire that they were up on, the person said, like, "Yeah, they they got me for however many bricks." And so much amount of money. And they didn't write up that amount of money. But they didn't steal it. And what happened was the money that they took had fell in the trunk. Yeah. Like in a place in the trunk. And they they couldn't like they couldn't they basically had to tear the car apart, the police car apart to like find the, the money. So like shit like this, like if my man would have got on the wire and said, yo, they got me for fifty grand or they got me for fifty five, forty five grand, and they only turned in five grand. That shit would have came back on him, just like it came back on him to ten thousand with a man later on or whatever. Um, but yeah, I thought that was um interesting. A lot of this stuff that happened, even like this shit right here. Well, I'll get into it later because it's it's a um an article I read about read that said like did this really happen on the show or whatever. Um, but a lot of this shit is remind me of that show, even though this shit happened in real life. Um, but like you said, it was you know um. They go back to eight. The next scene is them going back to Ailers and his lawyer, um, and he trying to like hardball the um, uh, Soraki and Jensen basically, 
And he was like, yeah, we ain't never took, I ain't never hurt nobody. You know what I'm saying? And then they tell him, um, but that ain't what happened to Devon Robinson. And that's when we find out that Devon Robinson got killed because the money that he took, the $10,000 that he didn't report or whatever, was some money that he was supposed to pay to some drug dealers. And they rolled up on him and killed him, in, you know, in front of his house or whatever. Um, yep. And then we get a scene of um, Jenkins and Suda later on, and they sitting in the car and – Jenkins is basically trying to convince Suda to take the bread. He like sit the two stacks of money on the armrest. He like, yeah, he was like, man, we could have got killed in there today, man. We could have walked in there. He had all them guns. He could have blew our heads off, man. He was like, man, I don't get paid enough every two weeks for that. He's like, this what this for, or whatever, whatever. Now they don't actually show Suda take the money. They don't show him take the money. So we don't know if he did or not. And I like, I like, I like, I like how they play that. Yeah, I like the way they ended it. I yeah. did. I did too. Like, kind of just left it right there. Yeah. And I don't even know if they're going to come back with that on the next episode because I don't see them coming into that. I just like the fact that they left it right there. But you, because it leads you to your assumptions. And if Suda's like a, such a straight shooter right now with the job he's doing, mm-hmm. is, it that he feel, is it that he feels guilty for what he did before? Or is it that he, you know, he's always been a straight shooter and that's just how he, he does his thing? So, you know, it kind of leaves you a, a lot to your imagination. To me, I think, I want to say he probably did, was always a straight shooter and he didn't take the money. And that's why he wound up as a um, homicide detective instead of still being a, um, a GT, GTTF or whatever. Um, because of that um, interaction he had with Gondo in the parking garage. It seemed like Gondo was kind of like talking shit about him, you know what I'm saying? Not talking yeah. shit about him, but kind of like fucking with him. In the um, in the garage or whatever, you know what I'm saying. But I don't know. But I enjoyed this episode. It, I, and, and like you said, they didn't tell it right off, and they might not even get to it this episode. They might be the, I mean, they might not get to it the next episode. They might wait a couple episodes to get to it or whatever. Um, but all in all, I, I liked it. Um, now one of the things that I did come across, it was like some questions about some things in episode uh. Episode three, um, basically some fact fact versus fiction. Um, and it said, what were the circumstances uh, of Devon Robinson's death? It says that uh, in the third episode of We Own, it said, if viewers see Sergeant Thomas Ehlers betray both his oath to honorably protect and serve the community and his fellow criminals on the gun trace task force. said when Ehlers, uh, Detective Hersel, and crew pull over Devon Robinson, they do so claiming he was driving with a suspended license. Yeah, that was another part of it. That, yeah. But his license and his tags was good. Um, Say, however, these officers were lying. They were searching for illegal money. They could pocket for themselves and whatever guns they could find to justify a legal search. When they couldn't locate anything in Robinson's vehicle, they escorted him to his home. Um, and basically, it's asking whether or not um, did that happen. Like, is that chain of events happen? That Robinson got killed because his supplier didn't get paid. And it says that as documented in in the real news, that's the name of a um, publication. It says Sergeant Ehlers pled guilty to nine robberies, including the one of Devon Robinson. Leo Wise, the U.S. state's attorney that helped prosecute the case against the Baltimore officer, stated because Ehlers stole that $10,000, Robinson was unable to pay a debt he owed a local drug dealer. Subsequently, Robinson was gunned down in front of his home. So that was real. 
Um, it said that Wayne Jenkins helped someone unqualified become a licensed bail bondsman. Um, and it basically said that, oh, yeah, his name was Donald. Donald Stepp, his friend Donald Stepp. Um, he said Donald Stepp credited him, credited Jenkins for his career. It says uh, Jenkins went above and beyond to pull some strings. It was almost as if Jenkins helped someone qualify a break through the red tape. Uh, it said that uh, in able to be a to able to be a bail bondsman in Maryland, you got to be able to satisfy the work experience requirement. Be at least eighteen years old, have a good moral character, have no criminal record, be knowledgeable about bail insurance, and complete an official application. Um, but the guy step, he should have been automatically disqualified. Um, because he had a history of cocaine and alcohol abuse, plus a lengthy criminal record of breaking into vehicles and businesses. But even though he had a record, um, Step had his lawyer and former employer submit letters to the Maryland Insurance Administration, stating that he changed his life around and was essentially of good moral character. But um, they said it was really Jenkins' glowing recommendation as an officer of the law that really got Step his license. Um, in the letter, it said, Donnie Step is now one of the good guys. I hope you will consider granting Donnie his license. He's a truly changed man, clean and sober, going on 16 years. I trust him with my children. I would trust him with my money. I trust him in my house. I don't even think in terms of whether he is trustworthy anymore. He is just Donnie, my friend and a good guy. Um, But they said when the letter was written, Step was knee-deep into dealing drugs, and was even moving illegal substances from Jenkins. So he was selling work for the police. Um, so that part was real too. He basically helped him. Um, then it asked about Kevin Davis. Because um, remember we were talking about Kevin Davis. That's the commissioner who gave the uh, guy his phone number. And he really was saying he was trying to, um, trying to uh, reform things. And basically it was asking, was he really a good um, commissioner? And it said um, his actions point to yes. Um, so those are some of the things that happened in the episode that were true to life. And that's one of the reasons why I like this show, because it got some real shit in there. But um, I think that's what makes it a really good show, but also... It's gonna be sad when it ends. Yeah, because it's only three more episodes left. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, do you think they got enough content and material to give it a season two, or or are you uh, part two to season one? No, nah, I don't think I don't think it was intended to go any further than them getting indicted and them and showing what happened. Hmm. Um, because I think anything after that would be fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of what makes this good is the fact that it's fact. It's mostly fact. Yeah, to me anyway. Because those, yeah. the, the, those three things were kind of like the main points of all mm-hmm. of the episodes, except for maybe like the um the uh, thing with the, the shooter and, and the guy getting killed and them locking up the shooter or whatever. I guess maybe that's to show how serious uh, Suda took his job, that he would go above and beyond. To, to lock up that shooter or whatever, but yeah, like just um, how meticulous he was. Yeah, like, actually went and looked into the shell casing, casings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so maybe that's that. But all of the other things were things that basically came from real life. 
Um, and, the, and the fact that what I, what I found funny, uh, well, not funny, but what I found intriguing um, was when he went to the, the back to the, the precinct and he was looking for the actual report of the bullets that had been turned in. I think one of his um, uh, one of his colleagues like kind of scoffed at him, like, are you really trying to find some bullets from uh, just a random shooting? Like, yeah, shoot with fired. no Vic. Yeah, shots yeah, fired. Shot yeah, fired with no Vic. Like, mm-hmm. are you really trying to find that? And he's like, eh, hey, well, you know, you know, I'm just kind of doing my job. Yeah, and that's you what the, that's what the dude said. He was like, who turns in bullets from just a, from a um from from shots fired or whatever? So Dixon really helped him out by doing his job. Yep. And, you know, he got a murder off the street by doing his job. And if everybody do their job like they're supposed to, the world might be a little bit better place. But, nope, that ain't how shit go. Motherfuckers on the cut corners. But, <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, I, and I'm also struggling. I, I ain't going to say I'm struggling, but it's just it's odd to see um the guy that played Marlo. And um he also played in, uh what's, what's, the, what's the show with Teresa? Um, Teresa. Queen of the South. Um, he oh. played a character in Queen of the South. In in this particular, he was a uh, like a CIA agent, uh, Jamie Hector. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like kind of weird to see him, like playing an actual straight up cop. Oh um, yeah. See, I, I'm already dialed in, so he's suited to me now. Yeah, he's suited. Yeah, he's suited yeah, he's to you suited now. now. Yeah. <laughs> Until I start back watching the Wire. Oh, and I forgot to mention that the uh, Union guy was uh, Herc from the Wire Herc. too. Yeah. Yes, Herc. It is. It is. It is something to see Herc not cracking skulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, they got a lot of cameos going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did. They mm-hmm. definitely did. Yeah. But I think that's what makes the show so interesting. Like the fact that they pulled back a lot of the cast from the wire. Mm-hmm. They a good bit of the cast from the wire. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see some more people. We might see Michael on there. Or, um, Randy. We might see a few I wanna, more. People. I want to see Prop Joe. Prop you, Joe. you will never see Prop Joe because Prop <laughs> Joe dead. Prop Joe died out in 2016 or something like that. Oh, 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 the real Prop Joe. Yeah, he yeah he died in, he died um maybe 2017 2016 yeah but he died Man. yeah mm. yeah so you won't see Prop Joe. I.P. Prop Joe, aka Bone Crusher. Yeah. A.K.A. Who else? Um, it's a lot of people on that that you know they could. I wonder. This was something I wonder too, and then I, you know, I let y'all go because it's getting late, and I gotta watch Atlanta. Um, I wonder if Michael K. Williams was gonna be on here. Mm, that's a good question because I thought that after episode one, I was like, man, I wonder if they would have. I wonder if he was cast to be on here. I wonder if he was originally cast to be Gondo. I don't know. And the only reason why I say that is because I, I think like even like with Michael B. Jordan, I, I think once you don't reach that that certain movie stardom, like I don't think they can even pull you into a role like that, even if it's for like a cameo from the white. Only reason I, well, that that is true. But he kind of, well, Gondo kind of remind me of Omar a little bit. And Omar do play, well, not Omar, Michael K. Williams does play on did play on Lovecraft Country, which was another HBO show. And, and he was st- he was still digging in butts too. Oh God. 
<laughs> I was trying to. I'm glad y'all didn't mention the F word my man said. I'm glad that just yeah, got away. I purpose. I purposely. I'm did. glad y'all didn't mention that. But here come Kane. <laughs> here come Kane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 the more things change, the more they say the same. I ain't lying. I ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> That's them down two or three junks y'all ass done had. <laughs> but anyway, Yoshi, Yo. let everybody know where they can find you, man. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Yoshi in the building and on Snapchat at the Ninth Wonder. Word. And also, Relationship Status Podcast each Monday and Wednesday, wherever you find your podcast for free. There you go. Uh, Kane, where can they find you? Uh, you know, you can find me every week, man, at the Kane is Able podcast, man. Every Wednesday, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Hennessy Black, Instagram, and Twitter, underscore Hennessy Black with two Cs, Snapchat, Hen on the Rocks. Hey, Yoshi, man, y'all got to let me come on our um, relationship podcast and talk nasty. Hey, <laughs> you got you got to clear that with C. <laughs> <laughs> man, he, he ain't going to be able to make it because y'all show clean. You got to clear it with C. You got to clear it with C. You, hey, listen, if you can get it past C, hey, I'm all for it. I could be PG thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we might have to get you on the morning show, Ex Grits and Ignorance, man. You could be, you could be, you could be you all day, every day on that show. Hey, sound like, like a plan to me. Oh yeah, we got you. Uh, I'm gonna hit you up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if y'all, you know, let us know y'all thoughts about this uh, episode of this series. Um, DJ Blaze Show at Gmail dot com or call us up four 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 three six two three seven zero. Y'all know you can find me, Preacher underscore BP, um, on social media. And DJ Blaze Show on Instagram and Twitter for the show. And DJ Blaze Radio Show on Facebook. It's your boy, Be Easy. Your boy, Kane. Yo. And we out. Holla.